What's up, Mentionables, and welcome back. This week's episode is a little bit strange, maybe more for us than for you, but uh, we are recording- Maybe a little bit for both, though. Yeah, both. The audio quality, I think, is up to par, despite our current situation, but we are recording remotely with Ryan on phone. Uh, that's why we're doing this intro a little bit strange. Just the two of us? Yep, just, just you and I. Just the two of us. Yeah. Uh. No Ryan to come back at us, no yeah. peanut gallery. Yeah, no peanut gallery. He's going to have to listen back to this later, and he has no control over hey, what's Ryan, going on. Hey, Ryan, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this has just turned into a roast of Ryan while he's not here. Uh, yeah, uh, so we're doing things a little bit different, but I think it turned out great. It was a really fun episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to Not Dimension Podcast. This is your new and improved AI, Ryan, coming from you in California. Uh, pretty sure I'm just a new piece of tech. Uh, who do I got on the line with me here? I am Josh. And this is Colin. Uh, we're all back together it's through kind the of, phone. Kind of. Yeah. On the phone. <laughs> yeah, I was actually... Yeah, I was going to make a joke uh, earlier of you being our one of our you know newest guest uh, phone call. I mean, yeah, I guess you could... You could just call me a guest now, right? Because, I mean, like, uh, like, am I fired? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Am I fired? <laughs> and this is how you're finding out about it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so if you didn't I'm read... in a hotel and you fire me? <laughs> so if you didn't read the uh, title or the description, or if you're Ryan, the episode is going to be about self-experimentation. Yeah, and I'm uh, very excited about this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to say I have no idea what this episode about is because I'm busy, but I'm pretty sure it's because you both hate me and are trying to phase me out. So Yeah, yeah, it's because you're fired. Yes, so let's get rolling here. So is this a list episode? Is that what you, is that yes, what we're going with Yes, here? So this is going to be oh, a list right. of, of um, people who have experimented on themselves kind of throughout history at different points. Okay, in time. so we're not we're not talking just like the people who are doing like the weird genetic modifications, right? Whatever that shit is. Uh, I'm sorry, that's proprietary information only for oh, not to mention employees. What? <laughs> <laughs> God damn. All right, I'm out. I'm hanging up. All right, so who's kicking us off? What do we got? Uh, I got you with, uh, we're talking, first guy's uh, Nathaniel Cleatman, Cleatman, something like that. In, Doesn't sound real. Yeah, he's probably fake. In 1938, Nate and his assistant went looking for a cave with very specific conditions, constant temperature and no natural light. See, Nate was a sleep researcher, and he wanted to find out if you could change to a 28-hour-a-day sleep cycle. His assistant was allegedly successful, but he was not. His researches, uh, his research did lead to advances in the study of the circadian rhythm, and uh, they spent 32 days in a cave with no light. Uh, in a cave? Wait, his assistant, his assistant slept for 28 hours? No, no, a 28-hour-a-day sleep cycle. So instead of 24 hours in a day, they were doing 28 they were doing hours 28. in a day. Okay. And so they, they okay. were trying to like change their sleeping based off of that. Gotcha. I thought you were saying that, that the, his assistant slept for 28 hours. I was like, bitch, that's nothing. Fucking, I just did that like fucking two days ago. <laughs> I slept for almost two days straight, man. That was Tuesday. <laughs> 32 days in a cave seems like uh, a lot, but uh, they should try... A COVID lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nothing. That, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it's still better, though, right? I mean, we say that, but, like, we had, like, Disney Plus. They were stuck in a <laughs> fucking cave, right? I mean, to be fair. 
uh, that one was uh, kind of short and not super shocking, but uh, I did think it was worth mentioning because it, it's kind of a little wacky. Uh, the next, I like caves. Yeah, who doesn't like caves? I like uh, caves. The next feller is a dude named Humphrey Davy. Oh, we've got a feller, huh? <laughs> a fine feller, indeed. Well, what do you do? He, while becoming a chemist in the apothecary's dispensary, he began nice. conducting his acid. <laughs> his <Drugs>. earliest experiments <laughs> at home, much to the annoyance of his friends and family. His older sister, for instance, complained his corrosive substances were destroying her dresses, and at least one friend thought it likely the incorrigible Davy would eventually blow us all into the air. Humphrey Davy is known for his experimentation with nitrous oxide. He noted it was a good replacement for alcohol and opium and could be used during surgery. Wait, so you're telling me this dude was just getting fucking ripped on nitrous? Yes, he was testing the effects Wild. of nitrous on himself. Huh. Well, I don't know anybody who's ever done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the kind of interesting part is he mentioned this like decades before anesthetics became a thing. And uh, he was kind of hitting the nail on the head with his, uh, you know, his uh, prediction that it could be used during surgery. I mean, it wasn't really a prediction. It was more of a suggestion, but. Right. Well, I mean, props to him. I mean, I guess the dentists are like the only ones who use it, though, right? Uh, as far as nitrous oxide goes, I'm not sure. I, I feel like it's used in a lot of an anesthetics, at least like, you know, as a part of a mixture. All right. Well, let's get to the cyberpunk shit next. Cyberpunk, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's putting robot arms on for sure? Exactly, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Where are we going? Stubbins Firth. That's a fucking Stubbins. name. Yeah, that's an awesome name. Are you sure that's not a Hobbit? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a yeah, fucking that's, Hobbit. That's dude. definitely a character from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's one of the dwarfs <laughs> that helps fucking Bilbo. So uh, Stubbins Firth was a nasty, nasty dude. And I don't mean nasty like mean or nasty like cool. I mean gross, like super gross. Fair warning okay. to the listeners, uh, if you have a queasy stomach, maybe uh, have your finger on the skip button. All right, Do give me a skip. second to hang up. Do not skip. Stubbins... You can call me back in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Stubbins knew something that nobody else did. Ugh, he was that's disgusting. He was confident that yellow fever was not contagious, and he was willing to prove it by any means. He did so by pouring vomit from yellow fever victims onto yeah. his open wounds, his eyeballs. He drank it and quite literally bathed in gallons of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Man. I've read about. I've heard about this. He uh, was. Uh, is... He was right, though. Uh, even if only partially, he didn't get sick because that's not how the plague spreads. It spreads through mosquitoes. So he proved you can't get it from person-to-person -person contact, but did little to stop the spread of it. Right, right. Wow. Well, I yeah. just really, you know, there's just other ways, I feel like. <laughs> you know, I get taken it to the extreme, but that's just so much, dude. Especially, like, the eyes. I don't know why. I, that one, to me, really, uh, is, that's just, like, yeah, stomach acid in your eyes? Kind of not a good idea. Out. Yeah, probably not a great idea. I guess I didn't I mean, really... I know why, I guess, but... Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe because, like, uh, the eye is thought to be, like... Uh, uh, well, it is, isn't it? Yeah, don't touch your eyes was, like, a huge thing during COVID. So, you know, I guess that was part of his logic there. Yep, yep. all right. The next couple is a, uh, a super couple named Pierre and Marie Curie. 
They were quite the duo. They had a lot of accomplishments, but uh, we're here to talk mostly about their work in isolation and study of polonium and radium. Okay. Your uranium, unobtainium? Yes, and out unobtainium. <laughs> They were pioneers in the field, but due to extended exposure to radiation, they basically became walking plutonium. (laughs) Jesus. They they turned uh, into fucking Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) They can uh, see the future. Jesus. They didn't really know about the effects of radium and and polonium. You know, obviously, nobody had studied it yet. they're studying it. Yeah, and uh, they both experienced radium burns accidentally and voluntarily. Uh, They would, like, tape it to their skin and shit and, like, wait to see what the effects were. They were exposed to extensive doses of radiation while conducting their research, and they experienced radiation sickness. Uh, Marie Curie died from radiation-induced aplastic anemia in 1934. Uh, I think her husband died much bef- uh, much sooner due to a uh, accident with a, uh, a horse-drawn carriage. But you know what's funny? He would have died from cancer or some shit. I was literally going to say he died because he did something stupid, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing, like something yeah. totally unrelated. Yeah, exactly. That always is, isn't it? I don't, I don't remember if it was this guy or someone else I was reading about, but I'm pretty sure it was him. He actually, Yeah, it must have been him. He tripped off of a curb or like slipped in the street and a horse-drawn carriage ran over his head cracking his skull and killing him instantly huh well that's morbid thanks for that one yeah yeah you're welcome i mean i just thought that (laughs) i mean it's kind of a crazy way to die for somebody who should have died from radium poisoning but uh, i suppose if you're just getting your day started you know good morning (laughs) here's a good piece of information for you So uh, even now, all their papers from the 1890s, even her cookbooks, are too dangerous to touch. Their laboratory books are kept in special lead boxes, and people who want to see or study them have to wear protective clothing. Most of these items can be found at the Bibliothèque Nationale de France. Had Pierre Curie had not been killed as he was, yeah, I already told you about all of this stuff. Yeah, Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 he... They they didn't do too good as far as the the radiation poisoning goes. But it helped us. Not you know? surprising. Not surprising. That's what matters. They they yeah, saved true humanity. heroes. True. <laughs> the fact that they have to keep their books in a lead box like that's just insane, yeah, that's dude. Like the I did read something somewhere that said there's even a table that he did a presentation on that is still radioactive. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, my last one uh, is just an honorable mention. Isaac Newton, uh, mentionable honor. Isaac Newton once did an experiment. I think it said when he was a teenager, when he was younger, he wanted to find out if the if what we were seeing with our senses, with sight, was a product of you know our eyes interpreting outside stimulation, or if it was the other way around. Basically, he wanted to see if our eyes were processing and creating what we're seeing or if those things are just there. Okay. So wait, wait, he thought about simulations before people were thinking about simulations? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Not quite. Sorry, dude, we already have Plato's The Cave. Somebody thought of it. Nice try. His way to prove it was kind of fucked. Uh, once again, if you get queasy easily, I why guess. are you doing this to me? I mean, I'm sorry. What, you're you're it's saying self- this to the audience, but you're really saying it to me. It's why are you self-experimentation. doing? It's <laughs> self-experimentation. Like some people do some fucked up shit. 
So, to, well, let's go for the cool stuff next time. Uh, so to prove it, he uh, he wanted to fuck with his optics. So he decided to stick a a pin in between the bone under his eye and his eye and, until he could push on the back of it. And he uh, noted that he did see spots when he did that, so he must have proven his theory. What in the yeah. fuck, dude? Yeah, he's a fucking psycho, dude. Isaac Newton was nuts. Ugh, why? Why would you tell people that? Why? Why are you filling? What, what kind of information you? What is this? Well, the good Josh, news is I'm some, done. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you better have some cool shit. Save the day. Oh, okay. I thought that it was actually really good news because I thought Colin's uh, computer had just died, which <laughs> meant that he was definitely done. <laughs> Screen went black for for a half a second there. It I mean, was just going to screensaver. We're good. We're listen, good. after all the technical difficulties we've had just trying to get this episode going, I wouldn't. <laughs> would What's not next, be dude? surprised at all. <laughs> all right, I'm going to kick it off with Doctor David Pritchard, and uh, mm. I've entitled this "Hookworms versus Allergies." In, okay. In Papua New Guinea in late 1980s, Dr. David Pritchard, an immunobiologist from Nottingham University, noticed that people were infected or people infected with Nicator americanus hookworm did not suffer much from an assortment of autoimmune related illnesses, including hay fever and asthma. In time, Dr. Pritchard <laughs> developed a theory to explain the phenomenon. Circumventing the inevitable years of red tape, Dr. Pritchard in 2004 initially used himself as a subject to secure approval from the smart, na- <laughs> very smart from the National Health Service's uh, Ethics Committee in Britain. He applied a dressing to his arm that was crawling with 50 pin-sized hookworm larvae. He left yeah. the wrap on for several days to make uh. sure that the squirming parasites would infiltrate his system. Big brain, fucking big brain. Uh, All right, and- <laughs> you guys. I don't. Next time you tell me that you're gonna call me for a podcast episode, we <laughs> might have not to have a discussion. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was definitely chuckling to myself with you complaining. I'm like, it's not gonna get a whole lot better, buddy. God <laughs> damn it, dude! What the fuck, dude? I'm like laying in my fucking hotel bed right now, like looking at my arm, like this must have me, right? <sighs> So, what are you doing? A direct quote from Dr. Pritchard The itch when they cross through your skin is indescribable. My wife was a bit nervous about the whole thing. Like he means in a good way, right? (laughs) I'm sure. An orgasmic itch. Later, he was able to deduce that only 10 hookworms were necessary for future test subjects. Oh. Gross. What an idiot. In the tropics where this is common, hookworm kills 65,000 people every year and afflicts hundreds of thousands with anemia. In low numbers, in adults, in a controlled experiment, Dr. Pritchard said the worms have not caused any problems. It's notable, just a quick note here that I, I added... It's notable that the moderator of the Yahoo group, Jasper Lawrence, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, started a clinic in 2008 in Mexico to offer the unproven therapy. In case oh, you guys are, wow. in case you guys are interested, sign me up. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, let's buy flights right now. Let's get going. Let's go. Wait, wait. So, so it wasn't proven then that that they. Uh, prevent those diseases autoimmune diseases i think that it i didn't look too far into it uh but i do think that it was proven it's just uh there are other ways to go about it and like really you want to do like let these parasites i mean i had originally put whole description of what uh, hookworms are and and, like they're like they grow inside of you and live in your stomach like feeding off of your blood and i mean this is all just so you can like uh, circumvent asthma basically yeah, I'll take the asthma. Or hay yeah, fever. Yeah, me too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. 
another doctor, as uh, is kind of probably common for a lot of self-experimentation. Yeah, I obviously. Uh, Dr. Jonas Salk, family. Uh, this one I t- entitled "Family Guy versus Polio Virus." During his research at the University of Pittsburgh Medical School, Dr. Jonas Salk discovered a potential vaccine for polio. Contrary to the era's prevailing scientific opinion, Salk believed his vaccine composed of killed or dead polio virus could immunize without risk of infecting the patient. When he needed healthy human test subjects who had never been exposed to polio, Salk volunteered himself, his lab scientists, his wife, and their children for the vaccine trial. Oh, his children. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? It sounds to me like he didn't like his family and his friends. Yeah, right. I mean, what do you have against these people? Look, look, little Susie, I know you don't want to get sick with polio, but I need a large enough test group and uh, I need you. You're going to have to get you're going to have to take the vaccine. I'm sorry. Well, it was obviously just testament to uh, his faith in in his theory. You know. In his work, yeah. I will say, I can already tell I've been on tour too long. I was about to get really morbid about things, but I had to bite my tongue, so let's move on. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> his filial roll of the dice paid off. Everyone survived and tested positive for antibodies against the virus. Okay, Salk, wow. Yeah, yeah. It all. it was a happy ending. Yeah, right. <laughs> Salk refused the patent, uh, the vaccine, and never received financial compensation for his discovery. When asked who owned the patent on the vaccine, he responded with one of the most, uh, one of his most famous quotes: "Well, the people, I would say, there is no patent. Could you patent the sun?" Which I actually kind of like that, although I'm not yeah, really sure good. about this guy. He, I mean, he's obviously a little bit off. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, every doctor that you've brought up so far does not sound like a doctor I'm planning on doing a family visit to. Although he was never awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, Salk received many awards, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom from the soft hands of President Jimmy Carter. <laughs> soft, soft hands, Colbert. So soft. Nice. And uh, also received worst dad ever. Yeah, yeah, worst <laughs> dad. For volunteering as kids. As guinea pigs, basically. Worst dad of the year. Sir, we would just like to come on over this way. Sir, sir, this is not to mention the first worst dad ever award presented to you for being a terrible doctor and also <laughs> a terrible father. Uh, that is pretty nuts that he didn't like monetize it in any way or like try yeah. and make money yeah. off well, of it. Well, I think a lot of it also is because he uh, he did figure all of this out, but it was all based on other scientists and uh, doctors' work. Okay, so it would have been kind like of shitty to used. just take credit for all of it yeah, and make a right. shitload of money. Right. Something and, uh, like that. I'd I'm also, really... I'd like to say, you know, Colin, I think you had it right. Uh, this sounds pretty nuts. I don't think you needed to say anything else after that. That's <laughs> right. That was it. So Bottom line. This guy uh, does break the mold of the, the whole doctors and experimentation thing. Uh, this is Colonel John Stapp. I've entitled this one, The Fastest Man on Earth Versus the Laws of Physics. I, I seriously heard John and totally thought you were going to say Cena. <laughs> John, John, John Cena. Cena. No, it is not John, John Cena. Just a quick citation. Man, did we just troll our whole fucking podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a quick citation for this one of my sources is a writer and creator of badassoftheweek.com, Ben Thompson. Uh, just a, a few things that I had used from his website, which was kind of funny, and I would recommend checking it out if you want to, I guess. Colonel John Paul Stapp was an American career U.S. Air Force officer, flight surgeon, physician, biophysicist, and a pioneer in studying the effects of acceleration forces on humans. Jack of all trades he and was a master of all trades. distinguished and, and busy man. <laughs> wow. 
In his research, Stapp repeatedly strapped himself into a rocket sled nicknamed the G-Wiz and was propelled forward at speeds close to that of sound. Wait, is that why we say G-Wiz? Uh, I don't know if this is a, this seems like a chicken or the egg situation. Yeah, yeah, which one came really first? Sure, actually, yeah. This sounds like the only man who ever beat Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can this guy take on Chuck Norris? Oh, I don't know, dude. Maybe I mean, on a maybe, sled, a maybe, rocket sled. Yeah, if, if he had a rocket sled, he would probably okay. win. He would then break abruptly to determine the human body's ability to withstand abrupt deceleration. This self-experimentation earned him the nickname the fastest man on Earth, the New York Herald Tribune called him a gentleman who can stop on a dime and give you 10 cents change. Why? What? What? <laughs> Why is Ten that? Cents. <laughs> who came up with that one and was like, man, that's clever. Oh, I kind of liked just, it. Fucking I'm nailed it. <laughs> I'm picturing this dude like zipping up to you, dropping you 10 cents and then zipping away and me just standing there like, what the fuck? I don't want this. Sh- why do you, yeah, why what did you give this? me a dime? I had no idea. He's giving me like gonna... a fucking five, dude. I had no idea you guys were going to get so hyper focused on this, that one little quote. <laughs> well, oh, the fact that he only gave me 10 cents? Of course I'm hyper focused on that. Okay, we fucking, what kind of cheap shit is this, dude? No, but seriously, uh, what was like his motivation for seeing how fast a human body can stop? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely applicable reasons for things like uh, pilots and astronauts and things like that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, So by June 1951, the rocket sled had gone through 74 successful human-operated runs. Stapp had already broken his coccyx, several ribs, a couple limbs, fractured his wrist twice, suffered from hemorrhages, hernias, lost fillings from his teeth, and had detached retinas from uh, that left him temporarily blinded. Oh, so not too bad. And this oh, is, no, nothing happened No, I would say that that fine. is not probably a comprehensive list. That is just all of the injuries that I found. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. <laughs> just so you can imagine what this man went through. This, however, did not stop him from breaking the land speed record for railed vehicles in 1954 when he took a ridiculously overpowered open-pit rock, rocket truck 632 miles an hour down the track in an obscene display of brass balls no human has ever displayed before or since. Wow. Really? Not even like Evil Knievel? I mean, not Dude, in an open cockpit. I'm yeah, not going to try and say it again. 654 but... miles an hour in a tin can, basically. <laughs> But while accelerating from a dead stop to a speed faster than a forty-five caliber handgun bullet in the span of five seconds is impressive. Whoa. It's important to remember that Stapp's research was in deceleration, not acceleration. Colonel JP, the fastest man on earth, Stapp, went from 632 miles an hour to a dead stop in 1.4 seconds. Oh, my God. Holy shit. <laughs> How do you live Are through that? Sure his, I'm pretty sure his spine exited through his, his chest, right? <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, not quite, his but it wasn't kept going great. And his, his this, body bag just stayed back. This psychopath pulled 43 Gs during the deceleration, which is roughly the oh. equivalent of driving a Maserati into a brick wall at 120. 20 miles an hour. I was going to ask how he stopped Whoa. that fast. Was it a brick wall? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he went blind for 45 minutes afterwards, oh God. broke a couple ribs, had a burn mark Whoa. on his skin from the friction caused by fucking dust whipping against his skin, and started spontaneously bleeding liquid awesome out of his eyeballs. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm imagining him like coming to this dead stop, all completely fucked up, and then like looking at his assistant, like, "All right, uh, write this down for me. I'm blind. <laughs> I'm bleeding out of my eyes." <laughs> Oh, Besides that, I feel great. Uh, have you seen my spine recently? <laughs> Turns out, sir, it's about 100 miles in front of you. <laughs> and just one other quick uh, footnote on this one. He won what will perhaps be more, even more lasting fame in, test, in a test five years earlier when he suffered injuries owing to a mistake by a Captain Murphy. The result? Murphy's Law. Oh, oh, nice. Okay. Okay. So, how do you think that guy removes his kids' teeth with a rocket car? <laughs> Everything he does is with a rocket sled. Dude, that's great. Just rips out of the kids' whole entire jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> wow. Yeah, this one really. This episode's gotten a little dark. It's all right though. We we'll make it through. I really. I thought this was going to be more like a cyberpunk, like you know, genetic, <laughs> like you know, DNA fucking with maybe like robot parts. That's funny. And shit. It all the direction that it went. No. No. Hall- no. Halloween in June. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dr. August Beer, and I name it, named this Beer versus Blow, or <laughs> Beer versus Schneef. <laughs> uh, at the turn of the 20th century, German surgeon Dr. August Beer pioneered a method for spinal anesthesia involving injecting cocaine directly into the cerebrospinal fluid. Oh, that is hardcore. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nope, that sounds, that sounds every bit of right. Yeah, absolutely. He observed that his patients, although apparently pain-free during the procedure, suffered from vomiting and severe headaches for days afterwards. I'm sure they did. That's what we call uh, yeah, having hangover? fucking an addiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're going through fucking withdrawals. withdrawals. You had that shit injected into your spine, bro. <laughs> this guy does not fool around with his cocaine. Uh, you know, I, I understand, though. You know how many times I've gone into the hospital or, like, doctor's office and laid down in the bed and been like, all right, doc, I'm going to need a shot right into the spine. Fill me up. The <laughs> ger- me top me off. <laughs> top me off. <laughs> the German doctor, concerned about these complications, decided he must experience the effects himself to truly understand and aiding in preventing them. Enlisting himself, Beer then persuaded his colleague, Dr. August Hildebrandt, to assist in his in- experimentation. And if case you didn't clock it, I just want to point out that both of these psychos are named August. And they're just like two fucking peas in a pot or something. <laughs> uh, are they brothers? I mean, no. is there a relation? No, no, huh. no. They have different last names. They're just their first names are both uh, August. Just, just two, two dudes named August. Fucking shooting up cocaine, shooting blow into people's spine. No big deal. The plan was for Hildebrandt to inject a half a milliliter of cocaine into Beer's spine. Hildebrandt would then assess Beer's sensitivity to pain, determine how long it took for the anesthetic to set, uh, effect to set in, and evaluate any post-operation side effects. Their first attempt proved disastrous. After inserting the needle into Beer's spine, Hildebrandt struggled to connect the syringe. As a result, a significant amount of Beer's cerebrospinal fluid leaked out through the needle oh, along with most of the cocaine. Stop it! Oh. Not great. Oh. I can only assume. I don't yeah. know. I'm not a. I'm not a doctor. I don't think you want to lose spinal fluid. I think you need oh. that. I think you need that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you dropped something, sir. <laughs> sir, you've dropped your spinal fluid. Undaunted. Sir, you seem to have a leak. Undaunted, Hildebrandt immediately volunteered himself for the experiment. Wait, the assistant? The assistant. He's like, oh shit, I fucked. Oh, All right, fuck my it. turn. Yeah, let me take over here. 
This time, the injection was a success. Within minutes, Hildebrandt reported a feeling of warmth in both legs. Uh, over the next 45 minutes, Beer demonstrated the profound numbing of Hildebrandt's legs in a variety of increasingly painful stimuli, including... Oh, he wailed on his legs. Inclu- <laughs> oh, did he wail on his legs? <laughs> including tickling, pinpricks, pinching, and burning. Not too bad, right? That's okay. But yeah. he didn't stop there. He bludgeoned his assistant with an iron hammer to the shins. Oh! Plucked out his oh, pubic hair? He, he Mr. Deeds him? I did not think poker? about that, but that is exactly what's happening here. He plucked out his pubic hair. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit more later, but inserted <laughs> hey, a needle down to his femur. Oh. And applied strong pressure at quote unquote strong pressure and traction to the testicles. Oh, of course. <laughs> Stay the fuck. What, dude? So, not all right. Stay away from the. We don't need all that of this. Test. I am just like, we've got like Hans and Franz here, these two German dudes. And like, I think that they're more into this than for scientific reasons. <laughs> yeah, like, they're fucking injecting blow and like playing with his fucking genitalia. I don't know what is happening here, but these guys, you guys yeah, are that, freaks. That definitely <laughs> sounds like some fucking weird shit. You think going after on, they man. figured it out, they invited all their friends over like, "Hey, you got to you got to fucking see this <laughs> you gotta shit. Do this. <laughs> you want to come wheel on fucking Franz legs for a bit? It really makes your day a little bit better." Though later uh, that evening, these two great men of science celebrated their success by smoking cigars and drinking wine in excess and let's be real probably hoover in some of that schneef am yeah. i right oh, yeah definitely, definitely. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean they probably were just injecting it still oh, at that God, point let's be honest <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're out at the bar just like all right shoot me up dude <laughs> oh, i gotta go to the bathroom i'll be back <laughs> like all of beer's previous experimental subjects beer and hildebrandt both experienced severe post-spinal headaches and yeah I, uh, no shit yeah i was gonna say probably like you would have experienced that if you hadn't done the whole spinal thing because you were probably drinking way too much wine or whatever. Anyway. Exactly. Hildebrandt's exactly. symptoms lasted about four days while Beer remained or remained confined to a bed for nine days. Woo! Because of the loss of all of his spinal fluid. Yeah, yeah not worth <laughs> it. Jesus Christ. Was that the end of your list, Josh? That is the end of my list. We're already done? We've already, we're there already. We're already there. It went we're, by so fast. We've come to the end, my friends. We're there already? Where I mean, I'm really honest. Let me just tell you right now. Mention was getting to do an episode, just like hanging out in my underwear. <laughs> this has been epic. <laughs> <laughs> just chilling in the hotel. Not bad, dude. I got fucking Harry Potter on the TV. Dude, it's, that I mean, is it's muted, but you know, so not Man. fair. Yeah, we, that must be nice, huh, Colin? We are in the exact opposite situation. Mentionables, right you want to know where we are right now? We are in yeah, a car. Yeah. yeah, we're in a car with our laptops and microphones. Let's get a it's, little more descriptive. You're in the middle of the woods. Yeah, in a yeah, yeah it's almost one o'clock in the morning, and we're sitting in the car with microphones. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I wish somebody was walking by right now, just like what the fuck? Dome light on and everything. Just give them a wave, uh, like nothing to see here. That's oh the... god damn it! That's great. Yeah, well, honestly, what studio this is going to be, but <laughs> Studio Z. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not talk about it. Mentionables, obviously, we've had some issues figuring out some time to record and everything. You know, I'm out and about. They're both working festivals still. Like, things are crazy, but obviously, we're 
we're in the process of making this happen and getting the quality as uh, decent as it can be. And I mean, I think our dedication a. has been exemplified by the yeah. last story that we just told about being in a fucking car at one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we appreciate you and your patience. We're sorry for taking a kind of just like a random impromptu break there. Just it kind of happened, but we're fucking back, baby. So I guess without further ado, uh go fucking check us out everywhere all the places all the social medias all the the um what do they call those things major streaming services yeah yeah we're there. Go listen to us on spotify and then listen to us on apple yeah. and then you can replay the same episode yeah I don't you, give a fuck. and then you can listen to it on all of the other ones all of them and the biggest thing the, the like the thing that helps us out the most it, this would help them get them out of a car you know what i mean they're in the middle of the woods sitting in a car wouldn't it be cooler if we just like all had our own studio well that would help if you guys like you share our shit and give us a five star rating that's it get get them out of the car you know that's this is a new campaign do. that's it that, if you give if you the one person we're talking to right now <laughs> If you do that, <laughs> we get it. All right, this is, the we new, love this is going to be the new campaign. Get Josh and Colin out of the car. We love <laughs> you, summer and we thank you so much uh, to find all things. Not to mention, you could go to our Instagram at Not to Mention Pod and our Facebook at Not to M. That's the number two. We're sorry. We'll try to be better. Uh, you can find our website at www.nottomentionpodcast.com. And if you have any quests, comments, or concerns, you can get a hold of us at Not to Mention Pod at gmail.com. I love how we've all taken turns saying sorry and then being like, so yeah, but here's the other support. <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> Every Thursday, 6 a.m. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs>